How's it going, Summit? I think I'm on, so we'll, uh, we'll trust that all's good, all right? Uh, man, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, um, obviously there's been a little bit of technical difficulty on the screen. I appreciate the guys working so hard to uh, try to get that up and running this morning. Unfortunately, God has saw fit that that is not going to be on the screen for us this morning. So uh, let's get our Bibles out, let's get our tablets out, smartphones, whatever you're using to look at the Word of God this morning. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be, all right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I hope and pray, man, that everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Um, There's always those that, uh, you know, you've got that one relative that just kind of makes everything exciting, you know, and exciting can have a lot lot of different meanings, I understand that. Like that, that was exciting. You guys, did, you guys, did you guys see what just happened there? That was exciting. All right, note to self. Buy Ricky a stand, all right? Um, I am not going to touch this thing anymore this morning because that will probably happen again. Uh, but, man, we had, we had a great Thanksgiving at our house. Um, we, uh, most of it was uh, most of the time when we got all the family together, you know, Mark and I are cousins, so we get to hang out quite a bit at family, uh, family get-togethers. Most of our time was spent talking about Rogue One that comes out next month and how we're ordering tickets tomorrow, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, <laughs> it, uh, we're, we're excited about that. But, uh, but what I want to talk to you about this morning, I kind of want us to backtrack. I know you guys are in the middle of a Christmas series, and I, and I was asking Mark, what, what is it that you need me to preach on? And then he just basically said, man, uh, you know, he, he normally has me fill in with the, the series and stuff, but he's like, man, just, just preach whatever God lays on your heart. And uh, I like that, you know, that, that, that helps, that helps a lot. But, uh, but I was thinking, you know what, let's, let's backtrack just a tad. I know we're approaching Christmas now. I know some of you have had the tree up since 4th of July, and you're really, really excited. All right, there's some finger pointing going on now at this point. Uh, but I know we're excited about Christmas, but I, but I want us to backtrack just for a second and revisit Thanksgiving just a few days ago. This whole concept of giving thanks, and that's just part of the sermon this morning, but, but uh, I want us to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I really want you to focus on this phrase this morning. It's this, this changes everything, all right? Those three words, this changes everything. And so that, you're going to hear that again. That's going to come up here in just a little bit, but let's talk about some things that can change everything for us. My wife and I have been married for 11 years, and 11 years ago I found out marriage, this changes everything for the good, all right, for the good. We started having kids. There's five kids in my house right now. When one came, that changed everything, all right? Now there's five kids in our house, man. When we go somewhere, I'm not even kidding, we were out at a restaurant a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and, and we had just eaten, you know, they had, they had pulled like four tables together to, so that we could all sit down. And, and then as we were leaving, it, it had gotten packed, it was crowded then at that point, and then I'm just, I'm just looking at kids saying, all right, all right guys, just, just walk through this way. About that time, everybody was like, oh, wow, wow, they got a big crowd, so they started, like, it was like, you know, parting the Red Sea for us, you know, that kind of a deal. And so we all start walking through, and I'm noticing people are just going, and, and, and I'm looking at him, and, and I actually looked at this one guy and said, man, I'm sorry, I feel like I should have candy, because this is like a parade for you, all right? And, and I just think my kids, anytime we walk by somebody, we'd just be chucking candy at people, because that's kind of what it feels like. But, uh, but man, it's awesome. And, and when you start having kids, that changes everything. Let's talk about some stuff in history. 
The printing press, man, that changed everything. The discovery of electricity, thank you, that changed everything. I talk like I know what it was like before that. The Wright Brothers' first flight, that changed everything. Television changed everything. The moon landing changed everything. The development of the internet, thank you, Al Gore, changed everything. September 11th changed everything. Smartphones have changed everything. Even good old Facebook has changed everything, if we're honest. There's a lot of things that, in a sense, can change everything for us. This morning, I want to hit on one particular phrase in this passage that is a complete game changer. As we focus on giving things, as we focus on a command to rejoice, as well as some other things that we see here, I want you to keep that phrase in mind. This changes everything because we're going to be going back to that by the time we're done this morning. But before we do anything else, let's have a word of prayer. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this opportunity that I get to preach your word this morning. And God, I pray, God, that you would forgive me of every single way that I failed you even this morning. And God, that you would be glorified in the preaching of your word this morning, God, as you draw all men to yourself, as we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Move in this place, I pray, God, and do what only you can do. May your word, as it says, will not return void, but that it will seek to accomplish exactly what it intends to. I thank you again for giving me the opportunity to speak to this church on this morning, at this moment in time. I pray that every word that comes from my mouth will come directly from the guidance of your Holy Spirit, that it will be nothing in and of myself, but that you would receive all the glory for it. Glorify yourself now, I pray, and make us more like Jesus because of what we're getting ready to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, just to give you a little bit of a background, a very, very brief background here, he's writing to the church of Thessalonica and to the church full of a bunch of very new believers in Christ, very new believers uh, in, in, in the faith, and they immediately are faced with persecutions. Now, Paul writes in thankfulness to encourage them and remind them of how they should live, all right? Let's look what we have beginning in verse 16. We have what are two, three, uh, two of the shortest verses in all of Scripture, beginning in verse 16. Verse 16 is two words, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's the entire passage of Scripture that I'm reading this morning. I'm going to go to some other verses here in a little bit, but this is what I want you to get this morning. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Three very easy verses to memorize, and and I would pray that by the time we're done, you've, you've got that so ingrained into your mind, man, that they're not going to go anywhere. But let's start right out of the gate. The first thing that we see in verse 16, we have what... Paul commands his hearers what the Holy Spirit through Paul is commanding us two words rejoice always. 
Now, some of you are here this morning, and you'd be like, yeah, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a nice little Christmas wish there, Stephen. That's, that's great. The, the reality is it's, it's hard. It's hard to rejoice always. And you know what I would say to that? You're exactly right. Because let me tell you something, man. Every single day of your life, let me tell you something that's very, very true about joy. All right, you ready for this? Joy is something that does not come natural to your flesh. All right? Joy is something that you flat out every single day of your life have to fight for, okay? You must and have to fight for joy in your life. It's not going to come natural to you because we are not prone to be joyful. We're, We're just not. Now, some of us seem to be happier than others for various reasons, but we as a whole, as a, as a fallen human race, because of sin, we are not prone naturally to joy. Life has a way of, of draining joy out of us. Whether it's through our own failures, our disappointments, suffering, betrayal, maybe even familiarity, all right? Life has a way of just kind of sucking the joy out. And it does that naturally. And some of you are here this morning, and, and you were here this morning because you were, and you're, you were fighting for joy when you woke up this morning. But you're here. Praise God, you're here. And maybe you're sitting there in that chair right now in this moment, and you're still fighting for joy. It's not uncommon. Joy is something that we have to fight for. Therefore, this is what happens when all of these things, when life tries to drain the joy out of us, We put up our defenses, we set back, and we become spectators of life, afraid of being hurt instead of finding joy in life. But God, look what he does here in these two two words. You ready for this? God, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, commands us, commands us now to rejoice always. It's not optional. All right, if you're here and you are in Christ, it is not an option for you to be joyful. It's not. You don't have the choice of whether or not to be joyful. You are commanded by God's word to rejoice always. And if we are commanded by God to rejoice always, then that means we're commanded by God that every morning when we wake up, we fight for that. Because it does not come natural to us. He commands us to rejoice always, and the reason why I think he commands us to rejoice is just what we've said, because we're prone not to. We are prone to not rejoice. Take a look at your Facebook feed, man, your, your news feed. Scroll for about five seconds, and, and, out, and outweigh, measure, measure the good versus the bad, measure the positive versus the negative. And most of the time, what's going to show up, or watch the news for 10 seconds, What's going to show up is something that we are naturally drawn to, and that is the negative side of life, that which would seek to suck the joy out of life instead of joy itself. I love, love hymns, man. I love them. I adore hymns, okay? And the reason why I adore hymns so much, I've got nothing against contemporary worship. I mean, I'm I'm a worship leader, too. I love contemporary worship. But the reason why I love him so much is because I just wish people would write like that again, you know, because it's, it's few and far between. Musically, eh, yeah, but, the, but lyrically, man, one of my favorite hymns of all time is a hymn called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And, and here's, here's why, because it brings out this exact point. It says, I am prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. 
I am prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. There's another part of that verse that says, Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Now, if you're like me, your first, first question is, <laughs> what's a fetter? All right? All right? Ducks have fetters. No, they don't. Turkeys had fetters. Nope, nope. It's not what we're talking about here. What's a fetter? A fetter is a ch- is, it was normally a chain, like, like, a, um, like a shackle that would be put around your foot to keep you in one's place. That's what a fetter is. And so when, this, when the author of this hymn says, let thy grace, Lord, he's talking about God's grace, not God's wrath, not God's justice, God's grace. Let your grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. To thee. So what he's saying is this, God, keep me close to yourself. Hold me close because if I'm, up, if, if I'm left to do this on my own, I'm going to wander away like the one sheep from the 99. Every single time because I don't know what's in front of me. I don't know what dangers await me. So bind me to yourself because I am not prone to to joy. I am not prone to stay close to what is good. I am prone to do the exact opposite. I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And that's just the reality of who we are in our sinful nature, guys. And we need to realize that in Psalm chapter 42, David is fighting for joy. And in the, first five chap- in the first five verses, we see this picture that he paints. And he says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. And I remember the first time I heard that. And I remember thinking, man, that, that's a beautiful picture. A deer just sitting next to a, a brook, lapping up some water. That's beautiful. That is not what David's talking about. That is not what David just said. And in context of the rest of the chapter, that is not what David means at all. He says, like a deer pants for flowing stream. The word pants is he's thirsty, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. Here's the picture David's panning, all right? You've got a deer that is thirsting for water so much that it realizes it is in a situation to where if it does not get water, it is for sure dead. In fact, this deer may even have been shot. It may be uh, being pursued by hunters. Most likely it was. Most likely that's the image that David is trying to paint here. And he says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. I'm in a point of desperation. And if that wasn't enough to convince us, the very next verse, David says, for my tears have been my food day and night. David is depressed out of his mind in Psalm 42. And then he begins having this argument with himself. He begins, he begins saying, why are, you, why are you downcast, oh my soul? And then he starts talking to himself. He's not going crazy, but he's reminding himself of the truth. He knows that he's prone to wander. He knows he's not prone to seek after joy. So he reminds himself of the God of hope. He reminds himself of the joy that's found in him. And he says, hope in God. Rejoice in him, for I will again praise him. See, guys, there are situations that come in our life that make it really, really difficult for us to fight for joy, but we have to fight. We have to fight each and every day of our life knowing that, that our soul will, will hope in God and we will, we will come out of what we're going through because God is good. 
and he will see us through it. Scripture tells us that God's mercies are new every morning. And I remember this when I first heard this before. It just blew my mind. That doesn't mean it's a a new batch of the same stuff, all right? When it says God's mercies are new every morning, it doesn't mean here's a new batch of the same stuff you had yesterday. It's just new. It's not what it means. The word new there doesn't mean like, like the same. It means different from what you had yesterday, all right? So every morning, when it says the mercies of God are new every morning, every day of your life, you wake up and God gives you a basket full of mercy that were entirely different from yesterday. Brand new, stuff you've never even experienced before, God's got new mercy for us every single morning. And that's something that's gonna go on through all eternity. The mercies of God are new every morning. There is reason to rejoice. There's a sign in my office at Hyman First Baptist uh, there was a period in my life, man, where I was going through just some really, really hard days, really hard mornings. And I remember uh, telling my wife um, all, this, all this stuff that I, that I was just feeling, that I was, that I was having, just struggling with. And, and in the one year from my birthday, she got um, all the kids to just got this little bitty, little, you know, little canvas that she bought, and she had all the kids color on it and, and draw stuff on it and, and then over top of everything that the kids had done, everything that the kids had written or, or drew and stuff like this, she wrote these words, always find a reason to rejoice. That's it. Always find a reason to rejoice. Because we're commanded to rejoice always. Therefore, every day of our life, regardless of how bad it seems, we are to always find a reason to rejoice because God has called us to do so. And, and that's in my office, right behind my desk now. So every day when I go in, that's, that's one of the first things I see. The Bible tells us that God sings, he dances over us, he rejoices over his children, he commands us to rejoice because of him. And, and then the last thing on this point, and then the rest of this is going to go pretty quick. This is where the ma- majority of the, of the input is this morning. Just because we're, we're prone not to feel this way. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, have you ever asked yourself, why did Jesus go to the cross? Well, we, we know he went to the cross to, to die for our sins. We know he went to the cross because God, God wanted him to, because that was the plan for all, for all eternity. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us specifically why Jesus endured the cross. It tells us the exact reason. And it says this, for the joy, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now that doesn't mean that he saw the cross as joyful, all right? We know what Jesus, we, we, we hear what Jesus was like in the garden, how he sweat drops of blood, how he agonized knowing what he was getting ready to experience, how he prayed, God, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But the joy that was set before him was not thinking that the cross was joyful, but what lied on the other side of the cross, the fact that on the other side of the cross, there would be a people of his own that, the God, that God the Father had given him who would be freed from their sin, who would no, no longer be enslaved by the power of sin over their life. And for that joy, and the fact that he would be with them for all eternity, for that joy he endured the cross. That fight for joy overruled the circumstances in even Christ's life. Rejoice always. The second thing Paul says is pray without ceasing. Now, man, I, I, I'll be honest. When I, when I heard this verse for the first time, I was like, I don't know what that means. To me, that means 
every word that comes out of my mouth needs to be an audible prayer. You know, that's the, that's the literal meaning of that verse, I guess you could say. But, but really it breaks down, I think, in about three different ways, and they're very, very simple, very, very quick. Now, number one is that when we talk about pray without ceasing, guys, we need to realize that there is a spirit of dependency that should permeate everything that we do, all right? You know, j- just think about every single thing that we do. Did you know that you could not walk in this room this morning? You could not walk in this room this morning if it were not for the grace of God. You couldn't. You could not speak a word apart from the grace of God. You could not breathe a breath apart from the grace of God. In in fact, a very good friend of mine said this, every breath you take is a yes or no question to God. Every breath. A yes or no question. And right now, for all of us in this room, God's saying yes. There will come a point where God will say no, and that'll be it. But it is by the grace of God that we are here in this moment. So when we say pray without ceasing, we mean just realize that in everything you do, every day of your life, you are absolutely 100% dependent upon the grace of God to sustain yourself. It cannot be done on your own. So that's one meaning of it. The second meaning of it is, uh, is simple. It means, <laughs> it means pray repeatedly and pray often. That's what it means, man. We should be people of prayer. We should be people for whom it is no big deal for us to just pray and pray all the time. It should be no big deal. We should be comfortable praying, man. We should should find ourselves in a constant state. In fact, John Piper says that our default mental state should be, dear God. That should be our default state at all times of the day. Dear God. And we should constantly be in a state of prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that every word that you say has to be a prayer, but it means that that should always be where our focus is. Our focus should be on him and what pleases him. And, and, then, and then the third thing that I think this means, it not only means that there should be a spirit of dependency in everything that we do, it not only means that we should pray often and that we should pray repeatedly. Third, it means don't stop. Don't stop praying, man. Never stop praying. Four years ago, we began an adoption journey that we went through some really, really difficult moments and, and felt like that our prayers weren't going any higher than the ceiling. And I know when this service is over, she's going to come up to me and say, Daddy, there's a lot of people. <laughs> We started this journey four years ago, and right now, there's a little girl from Africa who's in this room with us tonight, or this morning, by the grace of God, and because there are people who did not stop praying. Never let yourself get to the point to where you don't pray anymore, man. Do not stop praying. Pray without ceasing. And then he says this. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, verse 18. A woman by the name of Ann Voskamp breaks down Luke chapter 22 and verse 19 when Jesus is at the Last Supper, he, the, the night that he would be betrayed, and he says, it says that he, takes, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks, all right? That word for giving thanks, which is also would be the word for thanksgiving, in, uh, in, the, uh, in the Greek is eucharisteo. Now, what eucharisteo is, when you break it down, when it, when it talks about Jesus giving thanks in this verse, this is, the way it, this is the way it works. Ready for this? 
Eucharisteo, the root word of eucharisteo is the word charis, which at the root of thanksgiving, you know what the word charis means? Grace. That's it. So when Jesus gave thanks, he saw this bread that he was giving thanks for as grace from God. Now the root word of charis, the root word of grace in the Greek is the word kara. Now you know what, the, if, if from thanksgiving the root word is grace, the root word of grace the word kara means joy. It means joy. And we're, we're called to rejoice always. And so basically it breaks down like this. This is, this is more or less Jesus' prayer in Luke 22. He says, thank you, Father. Now this, this, is, this is paraphrased and taking into consideration that grace is the root word of thanksgiving and that joy is the root word of all of it. It's as if he's saying, thank you, Father, that my body, symbolized by this bread, is about to be brutally broken, and I'm about to be condemned by your wrath so that you will receive supreme glory in being able to forgive undeserving sinners. And I will share eternally full joy with hundreds of millions of forgiven sinners made righteous through my sacrifice. See, Jesus' thanks his giving thanks was not based on his circumstances. He knew what he was getting ready to endure. The night he was betrayed, he said this. And because of what lie on the other side of the cross, it gave him joy in the midst of his circumstances. And finally, we have this. These last two little phrases. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. And then it says, for this is the will of God. Now, I minister to a lot of college-age students every single week. And the most common question that I get from college-age students, specifically those who are about to finish up their college career, is that, Stephen, I, I just have no idea what God's will is for my life. And some of you may be here this morning, and you're like, hey, Stephen, guess what? I have no idea what God's will is for my life. Let me answer that let me answer your, your question for you. Let me put you at ease. You ready for this? <laughs> I don't know that either. <laughs> I have no idea what God's will is for your life in, in regards to what you're going to do with your life or who you're going to marry or, or, or how many kids you're going to have or anything like that. I have no idea what God's will is for your life. But, but, you, know what I th- but you know what I do know that God's will for your life is based on these verses? It's God's will that you rejoice always. It's God's will that you pray without ceasing. It's God's will that you give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God. If you want to know what God's will is, there are other verses in Scripture that say this is the will of God. Look those up, man. They're good. All right? It's God's will that you rejoice always. It's God's will that you pray without ceasing. It's God's will that you give thanks in all circumstances. Now, here's here's the kicker, though. And this is what changes everything. That verse ends by saying this. That verse ends by letting us know that there is only one group of people to which this applies. There is only one group of people to which this is God's will. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
It does not say this is the will of God for you. No, it, it, it makes it very specific and it puts it in a specific place. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That means apart from Christ, it's not. It's not. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says, he gave us grace in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Nowhere else in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 4 says, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Nowhere else in Christ. Romans 8 38 through 39 tells us that in Christ Jesus we are loved by God with an inseparable love. Ephesians 1 7 says that, tells us that in Christ Jesus we are redeemed and forgiven for all of our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that in Christ Jesus we are justified before God and, we, and the righteousness of God in Christ is given to us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that in Christ Jesus we are new creations. Galatians 3.26 tells us that in Christ Jesus we are the children of God. Ephesians 2.6 says that in Christ Jesus we are seated in the heavenly places while we live here on earth. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says that all the promises of God find their yes in Christ Jesus, nowhere else. 1 Corinthians 1.2, the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19, in Christ Jesus, everything that we really need is supplied. Philippians 4.7, in Christ Jesus, the peace of God guards our hearts and our minds. Romans 6.23, in Christ Jesus, we have eternal life. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22, all in Christ Jesus will be raised from the dead at the coming of our Lord. All of that is true if you're a Christian. None of it is if you're not. Because all the promises of God find their yes in Christ Jesus. Nowhere else. If you are here this morning and you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, then it is God's will that you fight for joy every single day. It is God's will that you rejoice always. It is God's will that you pray without ceasing. It is God's will that you give thanks in all circumstances. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, then that can become God's will for your life right here, right now. We're gonna move into a time of response, but, but as we do so, I want you to realize that the one thing that changes everything this morning is whether or not you are in Christ. The one thing that changes everything this morning is not who you're married to, who your kids are, what's happened in history, or what will happen tomorrow. The only thing that changes everything this morning is that you are found to be in Christ Jesus. See, the Bible's very clear, guys. The Bible tells us that every single one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because we've sinned, we're going to die, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved and all, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
So I'm gonna ask you if you would, right now where we are, just to bow your head and close your eyes. And maybe, just maybe, there's someone here at the sound of my voice who right now in this moment is not in Christ. And I simply mean you're not a Christian. But this morning you would say, Stephen, Stephen, I want to be. I want to be found in Christ. I want to be a new creation. I want to be, I want to be free from the power of sin in my life. Now, that does, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm not saying you're never going to mess up again. I'm not saying you're never going to, you're never going to struggle. But I am saying that there is forgiveness and there is grace and it is only found at the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is only offered to us by a good and loving Father through what His Son has done for us. So we're just going to have a time of response at this point and, and not walking up, going to the back and talking to anybody or anything along those lines. But, but I want to first of all challenge you that if you're here this morning and you want to become a Christian, that this morning that you are giving your life to Jesus Christ, there are these contact cards that you got when you came in, and we would love for you to check right there, today I decided I am giving my life to Jesus Christ. And that you would check that, and that you would, that you would leave that with someone at the door, or someone in the back, or put it in the offering plate when it comes around here in a little bit, letting us know that today you have decided to follow Jesus, and someone through Summit Church will be in contact with you, and follow up with you, and lead you where you need to be in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and, man, you just need to pray. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, man, just fighting for joy is just something that you've almost just given up on. Maybe you're here this morning and, man, it seems like it's been forever since you prayed. Maybe you're here this morning and you just, just stopped really just telling God thank you. These are very, very simple things, guys, but if we, if we let these things go un, undealt with, unrepented of, then we are not going to be any closer to Jesus. So the altar's open this morning. If anybody needs to come and just lay burdens down, if anybody needs to come and pray, I invite you to do that right now. Right now in this moment, we would devote our hearts to prayer. We would devote our hearts to responding to the goodness and grace of God in our lives. Amen. We're just going to spend a few minutes in prayer here for anyone who would like to come forward and pray. You can pray where you are, that's fine.
searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light to you. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they would be more than the sand of the shores. For I awake and I am still with you. Therefore, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, be with us. As your children pray as we seek your face, may you be glorified that our lives would reflect Jesus, that we would fight for joy, that we would constantly seek your face in prayer, and that we would praise you and give you thanks no matter what the circumstances are in our life. For if we are in Christ, this is your will for us. And so this morning we say thank you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. I could probably talk without it, Creighton, and they could probably hear me. I'm pretty loud. Um, first, let's uh, give another big round of applause for uh, Stephen. It is always a pleasure to have him and his family here with us, and so we are so we are so very thankful for them. Um, it is getting really close to that time for our offering, so if all of our ushers will get into place. But while they are getting into place, now is a good time to uh, to take that connection card. And uh, if you made any decisions today or, or maybe you have some questions or you have some prayer requests that you can indicate on that card, maybe you've had some um, information change, like a new telephone number, a new email address, uh, an address change or something, you can use that card to update that as well. Um, so you can still get things like um, the church-wide emails and things like that that we send out every week because that's, that's what we use to take care of that kind of thing. So the guys are in place, so um, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for, um, for this wonderful day. Thank you for Stephen and his family. Lord, thank you for the message that he brought. Lord, I just pray that, uh, that everyone was touched by, by that today and that we all leave here a little bit changed and that, that we do continue to fight for the joy in our life. 
Lord, I pray that you will bless this offering, that you bless everyone that, that is giving today, whether it be here, whether it be online or through the app. Um, and Lord, I just pray that, that you will work through us and you will work through Summit to, uh, to, con- to continue to do your good work and to continue to do amazing things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And while the guys are taking up the offering, um, I just wanted to remind you guys that um, on December the 18th, there is actually a couple things that's going to be happening that day. The kids are going to be doing their, uh, their play in here on December the 18th, so you're going to want to be sure to be here that day because they are uh, working really hard on that and putting a lot of time into it. So you're going to want to be here to take part of that. And we are also doing our Christmas offering that day. So that is something that, um, that you'll probably want to be praying about and talking about with your family and, and just really um, letting God work in your life and letting him tell you where, uh, where he is leading you to give to that. But so that you'll know what our Christmas offering is going to this year, because usually it goes to different things, it is going to make Christmas happen for some families of, um, of families that go to Second Chance Mission. And so we are going to provide a Christmas uh, for them, for gifts for their children and, and a meal and that kind of thing. So that's one of the things it's going to. It is going to International Missions. And it is also going to our next generation because the next generation matters now here. So it will, it will go to our kids back here in the back. It will go to our students. And it will go to a few different things like that and some things that they're going to be doing in the year coming up. Also, our Christmas service is December the 21st. That is a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And so, um, as always, it's going to be a magnificent time. I'm sure that Mark and Ricky and the guys and everything has got a lot of stuff planned for that. Santa will be here, and there will be pictures with Santa and things like that. So you're going to want to make sure that you make plans to be here on December the 21st at 7 o'clock. I think the man's going to play, so you guys are dismissed. <laughs>